Welcome to another edition of Coffee with Developers. I'm here today because of a reason that is timely and is happening right now, and that is Apple and its changes to its software uh, distribution model and also allowing web uh, applications, PWAs, on iOS and what they can do. To this end, I got Bruce Lawson here, who used to work for Opera and has been, like me, a web enthusiast from the very beginning and been documenting all the platform stuff that has been going on. And we got Ben Francis, who worked with me and Mozilla back then on Firefox OS, where we tried to actually make the whole app process on mobiles completely HTML5 based. So Bruce, what's the big thing that happened this week uh, and what led to it? Okay, so um, the European Union, has been running um, an investigation into uh, monopolistic or not behavior in uh, digital markets because you know digital markets are the, the 21st century equivalent of roads and rail and basic infrastructure um, as part of that uh, a little ad hoc developer group that I helped co-found called the Open Web Advocacy, OWA, were invited to go and brief the EU. At the time, the EU were seeing apps as basically a contest between Android apps and iOS apps, you know, the official things written in some native language and distributed through the App Store. And we came and said, okay, there is that dichotomy, but there's a third option, which is Open Web Apps. You know, Effectively, websites plus plus with a manifest and a service worker and a nice icon that can be installed, added to home screen, whatever you want to call the, uh, the process. And they could be tickled into life by a user's digit, open up full screen, work offline with a service worker. And given the, you know, the, the, the Cambrian explosion of uh, device APIs we now have for the web, pretty much you can do anything on the web with the PWA that you can do with a native app. The EU listened to us and included uh, the requirement to open up web apps in their legislation called the Digital Markets Act, which I believe came into force about six months ago, but there's been a grace period for uh, organizations to comply, which is going to end either March 7th or March 9th. On, I'm not uh, au fait with the actual date. I want to stress that the this is not the EU were going app after Apple. They designated certain companies as gatekeepers, and the requirement for designation was, you know, number of millions of active users within the EU, and or um, amount of money made in the EU. So, the Digital Markets Act is regulating Facebook or Meta. Uh, whoever controls TikTok, Microsoft, Apple, Google, et al. Um, but historically, Apple have been the least open about web apps. The reason for that is that Safari has not had the same access to device APIs that other browsers have. So, for example, um, on non-iOS devices, the browsers can act can can receive push notifications, etc. You've been able to do that on iOS since forever with a, a native app or a single platform app, but you could never do it with Safari. And 
we in OWA and me personally, we believe that Apple can do what they want with Safari. If they say, you know, we do not want to support web Bluetooth or web USB, that is a commercial decision that they're entitled to take. But what they shouldn't therefore be allowed to do is say only Safari can be used on iOS. The EU have said, yeah, you must open up iOS to third party browsers. And we thought we had a victory, but last week, um, they they snuck out the information that because they're going to be compelled to allow any browser to run a web app on iOS before the act is actually policed, if you like, next month, they're removing web apps completely from iOS. So nobody will be able to say it's not fair because Safari can access it and Firefox and Chrome can't. Apple are nuking it for Safari and therefore they would argue complying with the law because nobody can use web apps on iOS. So we've been talking as OWA would be talking to uh, an organization that has a PWA that Ukrainian journalists use when they go to the front line and report because it works offline. The trouble is because it will no longer be a PWA, it will only open in a, in a browser tab if they're using Safari, which they probably will be, because the barrier to exit that Apple are putting to third-party browsers will still be quite high. If they're using it as a tab in Safari, iOS will clear all the user data every seven days. Uh, we've been talking to another company that uh, markets um, to kindergarten parents and they will no longer have the ability to receive push notifications because that will be gone. Um, there's another company that markets a PWA for cancer patients and they get PW, uh, push notifications for appointments and uh, you know urgent trials etc. That will be gone. So it's, it's a whole swathe of things that smaller businesses in the EU and customers have come to rely on push notifications, persistent data, because that was allowed with PWAs, that will be gone. We're arguing, um, if it's a panic that Apple's going under, just don't do anything and let's sit and talk about it. So, so given that, it would mean that if you use Chrome, Edge or Firefox on, Safari, on, on iOS, you could still have the functionality. You still have push notifications, you could have full screen, you could have offline functionality, or is it not that easy? Ben, do you know have any info about this? No, so it's already not possible for third-party browsers on iOS to add um, a website to the home screen as a web app. Um, that's only available in Safari. But what Apple are arguing is that in order to comply with the DMA's requests um, to allow third-party browsers, they, they're saying that they can't open up the APIs that make it possible for third-party browsers to do add to home screen or installing a web app and uh, persistent storage and, and push notifications and all these things because it's too difficult um, to expose that in a safe way to, to other browsers. Uh, I have some sympathy with this because it is a technically difficult problem to do this safely. I'm definitely not going to argue that that's not the case, um, but it's certainly not impossible. Um, as Bruce said, Apple have had two years to figure out how to comply with this. And actually, they already do this on macOS. So third-party web browsers on macOS can't, like Chrome, 
you can install web apps from the browser. So it's certainly within the realms of possibility for, for Apple to implement this. They're the biggest technology company of the world. They have the resources. If they wanted to, they could. And so we can only really speculate about the reasons, um, whether it truly is a case of, of product timelines and not being able to get the features out in time, or whether it's something a bit more sinister about trying to protect the Apple tax and using the DMA compliance as an excuse for um, actually, uh, so the DMA was designed to provide, uh, promote more competition on iOS by, by allowing um, alternative app stores. And what it seems like Apple are doing is using complying with that uh, those regulations as an excuse for removing support for the most open apps ecosystem of all, which is the open web. Um, and so that's really sad because um, you know, the, Apple's always lagged behind on, on supporting web standards. But in recent years, there's been a lot of progress getting add to home screen and support for push notifications and pers persistent storage, kind of things you expect from uh, installable web apps. And all of this has been thrown out of the window with this very odd decision, which still isn't completely confirmed, but it still se definitely seems like this is going to go into production. This is in the, the latest beta of the latest version of iOS, and there's an FAQ on Apple's website that says, yes, from now on, any um, website that you've added to your home screen will open in the browser. It's not going to open in what, what's actually the standalone display mode. So what they're removing essentially is the implementation of the uh, W3C Web App Manifest standard, which is the bit where you actually you have metadata about a website that treats it as a web app and you install it to your operating system. And they're removing that functionality. And, and as Bruce was saying, what goes with that is unfortunately um, features like push notifications and persistent storage, which Apple have restricted to only um, websites that have been added to the, the home screen. So that's a real shame. So even, even normal web applications won't have the same functionality that they would have in other browsers, like the persistent storage cannot be used at all anymore in Safari? So there is persistent storage, but I think, as, as Bruce said earlier, um, if you're using it just in a browser tab in Safari, that storage gets cleared every seven days. Um, so it's not as persistent as it is when you actually install the web app. And there are some features which on iOS have been tied to installed web apps only, like push notifications, which will, we assume, go away completely. Again, it's assumption. The trouble is, is that <clears throat> in the long compliance notification that Apple gave, uh, all about you know how much it would cost to be able to set up an alternate app store, um, the barriers, <clears throat> not okay, the, 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 the entrance requirements for a third-party browser. Nothing of this was mentioned at all. When it came out in a beta, somebody noticed it. Absolute silence, nothing in the release notes. The second beta, nothing in the release notes. People started asking on the tickets, nothing. Um, we started making a fuss, and a, a few hours later, this information came out as one of a number of FAQs hidden in an accordion that was closed by default. Um, but it just says, as uh, Ben said, it says that <clears throat> anything that was previously installed added to home screen will now open in, in a browser tab, SOS. But it doesn't give any more indication about what else may be there. So nothing about it gives me any reason to hope for the best frankly. Primarily, the biggest problem of all is the uncertainty. 
if you've built a business on this or you're just about to launch a PWA or just about to make a new version, you just don't know what's going to happen in nine days' time. It sends a chilling message, I think, across the world. One thing, if you are a US developer with a significant EU market, or if you're in the UK, which is not in the EU, I cannot test this because it is somehow geolinked to the EU. What does that mean? Is it an EU IP address? Is it a device that was bought in the EU? What happens if an American developer with an American device goes to work in Germany for three months? So what happens to a developer in the States who is trying to test how this will act for a, a consumer in the EU? Or, or vice versa, what happens if you're in the EU and you want to test how your PWA works in the States because it won't be hamstuck in the States? Can you? We don't know. Can you use a VPN? Can you access a VPN? Can you try it that way? Then is there any ways around it at the moment? I don't know, but um, what I have seen so far is from developers who've been testing the beta release, at least, uh, it seems like this is going to break stuff because people who've already got web apps installed um, on iOS, uh, because of the way that iOS partitions data uh, for installed web apps, if you've already installed the app, and then it starts opening in the web browser, Any anything that you stored in a local database like IndexedDB may actually just go away. So it could actually lead to, to data loss. Uh, and so that's just one example where this is causing a lot of uncertainty for businesses. But also, it's going to have a real financial impact on businesses. Um, I mean, there's ironically, there's now a mad rush of uh, companies who only have web apps to create some kind of native app in the Apple App Store because they think they're going to get locked out of that platform, which is exactly the opposite of what the DMA was trying to achieve. Um, and so at businesses like mine, in fact, so I, I have web apps, um, which are, there are only web apps. There is no native equivalent. And we rely on the features of iOS to do things like push notifications. And those things are just going to go away overnight with very little notice. Um, and, you know, it's going gonna, it's going to put some businesses out of business because if your business model can't support a 30% cut going to Apple for all payments from within your app, and you, you've previously done everything through the web, um, users have been able to install your app through the web browser, install it on, on, onto iOS, which has about 30% market share in, in Europe. Um, overnight, your only option may become to... Um, provide a native uh, Apple application. If you're a huge organization, you very probably have capacity or at least the ability to do a native app. If you're a two, three person business or you know heavily reliant upon volunteers or part-timers, the requirement to build and test, you know, basically replicate your functionality, build it and test it, bag it up, Put it in the App Store, get it past App Store review, which is a notoriously opaque process within the next nine days. That's a, that's a huge burden. And to me, it's very telling that Apple have conceded they will allow alternate App Stores. They've conceded they will allow third-party browsers. When we started with OWA, what we tried to demonstrate to the regulators 
uh, successfully with the UK regulator and the Japanese and the Australian regulators, but they're less far down the legislative process. What we said is, it is, <clears throat> it is very compelling to believe that the reason Apple don't allow parity on iOS with PWAs is they see the open web distribution as the most significant competitor to the App Store. It seems by this action that they're confirming that the open web is the most significant competitor to the App Store because everything else that the DMA requires of them, they are allowing uh, with some serious caveats, but it's true, but just abolishing progressive web apps on the platform suggests that we were actually right. And, uh, you know, I take absolutely no pride or joy in having been proved right there. Well, that's been that's been for quite a while, isn't it? Like, I remember when we did Firefox OS and we said, like, the distribution is a URL and a domain and you basically you can install from there and you can update it anytime you want to. There is no regulation. There is no uh, process to upload it. You don't have to pay to play. That's another thing, of course, like you actually to to publish something on a closed uh, app market, you basically have to have to spend money. Whereas like on the web, you can just put the thing there and people can install it and start using it. So uh, but they, there's always been the aspect of like security, like allowing any app store on your device would mean you have like malware app stores. You have people that you have app stores that look like phishing app stores that look like the one from iOS, but aren't the one. So that's a concern that they have. Um, do you think that's a legitimate thing to say, or is it something would you expect Apple to say, like, what can we do to make that happen rather than just we're not allowing it? If you're asking me, I would say, of course, that's legitimate. <clears throat> fishing, fishing happens. Uh, I would counter that argument by saying, well, I can point to lots and lots of sanction-busting Russian apps that are on the App Store now that sniff your IP address and show a horse racing game if you're not in Russia. And it's a bank if you are in Russia. If you want to argue the web is insecure, don't do it from a position of having sanctioned but busting Russian apps on your platform. And Safari has notably been the browser that takes the longest from a bug being reported to shipping it to the end user. It might get patched in WebKit very quickly, but that doesn't matter until WebKit is pulled into Safari and pushed out to users. Uh, a couple of Christmases ago, I think it was 56 days that um, a web one website could sniff the index DB of another website and get some credentials out. 56 days that was unpatched. It's certainly a legitimate concern. It's a legitimate concern. With, it's a problem with any app store. Um, they're just different approaches, right? The centralized app store versus the decentralized web. Um, but I think if you're trying to make arguments about privacy and security, I, I think you can also make the argument that the web is superior in that regard. I mean, web apps run in a very strict sandbox. And we, we've always had to deal with web apps. Um, browser engines have had to deal with running untrusted code from untrusted sources and isolating them from each other. And so you know, the web has a lot of benefits in that regard as well. Uh, it remains to be seen what level of control Apple is going to have over third-party app stores as well. I don't think it's going to be a complete Wild West. 
um, I think they're going to have some level of control. Um, but this is this is really a separate issue. I mean, you know, we're we're talking about so that's the issue of uh, third party app stores, which is all using Apple's native apps. Right? What we're talking about here is disabling the ability to just install an open web app on your device, which was possible before. Looks like it isn't going to be possible anymore. And we're not really sure why. And because it seems to go completely counter to the to the goals of the DMA. And we've all celebrated, we've all celebrated that that Safari kind of caught up. You know, like we were we were in Firefox in in when Edge went to Chromium, we said like PWAs are gonna be a desktop game for Windows. We were allowing it in the Windows store until that one got defunct. Uh, in Android, you can have PWAs in the main store, you can install it from the uh, from the web itself. So it seems like we, there's a lot of work that has gone into it that uh, uh, Apple could pick it back on now, but uh, it seems like the, it, it's not that compatible. When you said on X that it's uh, that you understand Apple to a degree because there's a lot of work that has to go into Safari, does a lot of work have to go into Safari or into WebKit? Uh, well, both actually, um, because the and iOS because implementing. The, Web App Manifest has always been a bit of an unusual web standard in, in that it, it can't be implemented entirely within a browser engine. It has to hook into the operating system, which is what makes it particularly tricky. But I, I really feel for the engineers inside Apple, right? Because there are some great people working inside Apple who care deeply about the open web and are going to be just as annoyed as we are about this. Um, this decision won't have been made by one of those people. This decision will have been a top-down decision from legal or senior management, and they're going to be annoyed, and they're not going to be allowed to talk about it, and they're probably finding it very frustrating. Um, uh, there's a lot of work that's being thrown away. You know, progress that was made in supporting web apps in in Safari and on iOS that's just being thrown away with this change. And the irony, of course, is that Steve Jobs' original vision for the iPhone was that web apps would be the primary platform for developers. Um, it didn't turn out that way. The web wasn't quite ready. They built their centralized app store. They've got used to earning this 30% tax on all revenue um, that goes through the iPhone and very much want to hold on to it. The WebKit developers, I, I do not blame at all. I feel for them. If you've worked really hard to implement this stuff and it's been nuked by I know lawyers and bean counters in Cupertino. It must be terribly frustrating, and and I don't blame those developers at all. They've done a, fa a fabulous job in catching off over the last couple of years, and we know Web Kittens. It is not you, so you know if if we meet at some point, I'm not angry with you. It's kind of reminiscent when uh, uh, when Microsoft got forced to allow other browsers on Windows under the Internet Explorer back then, but then back then there was there was no App Store, there was nothing that basically gave you thirty percent of every software being installed on your machine. We still had shareware and things like that. So basically, these were completely different distribution models. So, but it seems like the that it took so long for Apple to be kind of forced by law to give other browsers an option to be on their device as well has been something that that hindered that kind of like even thought of allowing this yeah not not even not even microsoft have the level of monopoly with internet explorer that apple has today with safari and and the app store and yeah it's taken a lot longer 
Um, but yeah, look at the way that um, antitrust uh, regulators clamped down on Microsoft back then. Uh, it is certainly reminiscent, but we're, we live in a much more complicated world now. And, and the DMA actually covers a, a whole range of different, um, as Bruce said, gatekeepers, uh, different kinds of platforms, whether it's um, app stores, browsers, social, video sharing, communications. It covers a, a whole range of different areas where um, anti-competitive processes have emerged and there seems to be a, a winner-takes-all um, model in, in, uh, in tech. There were in, internal comments uh, that were um, leaked, I suspect, from, from Apple um, from quite a while ago, identifying the web as the biggest threat to um, Apple's 30% cut. And they were saying, yeah, we're not always going to have this 30% cut. At some point, something's going to come along that threatens that, possibly the web. It wasn't a leak. It was stuff that Apple were required to disclose in one of the recent court cases. I, I, want, I want to say Epic Games, but I may be lying, but it's certainly not a leak. It is something that genuinely was submitted to a court. Similarly, <clears throat> we have uh, an internal Apple document where they say that web browser sandbox is of a, quote, an order of magnitude more secure than the Mac store. The browser is a super secure model because, as Ben said, we've been dealing with the wild west of drive-by sites for 25, 30 years in browsers. And it does a good job of protecting people. And Apple's internal member says that they recognize it as a better job. And it feels weird in terms of performance as well, because if you have lots of apps running in different tabs, that's, that's certainly going to use a lot more memory than having them in an, in an own thread and as an own container. Like, I mean, the, the, when I see what my Chrome or my Edge is using right now, I mean, every tab is by now an own container. That's fine. But it still is like it's using most of my RAM, whereas like having Slack on the side and these kind of things in my own apps, even the Electron ones, are just sleeping when I don't use them. And it all ties into the performance of the browser. So not allowing things to be outside of the main thread of the browser feels like you're just setting yourself up for the browser to become slower if people use that one then instead. I think I would argue that Apple seems to demonstrate that it wants its browser just to be good enough for people to see the web, but actually would much rather you install stuff from the App Store where they can get a 30% tax. So arguably, it might not be in their interest to slow down the browser, but it isn't against their interests either if they can get you to replace the thing you're running in the browser with something you download from the app store. But I'm speculating. So on the performance thing, I'm not sure it's really going to make that much difference. I think what, what you see on the screen as a user interface is largely orthogonal to the kind of process model underneath. And I'm not that familiar with the implementation in, in WebKit, but I'm sure um, there's process isolation between browser tabs as well. But what is definitely true is that it's going to erode the user experience. And so you're going to lose standalone mode. So you're always going to have the browser Chrome in the way, which um, kind of shatters that illusion of being in an app and makes you feel like you're in a browser tab. You're going to lose push notifications. You're going to lose persistent storage. And, and so it's the user experience that's really going to suffer. This add to home feature was all, already very buried inside the menus um, in Safari. Um, but it's, it's looking like it's going to go away completely.
It feels weird because Apple had the uh, Google had the same problem. We all know people in the Chrome team, and we're all we're all good friends with them. And whenever I talk to them about PWA implementation back then, when we in Mozilla just forged ahead and just came up with new APIs every two months that now have to be much more secure than when we built them back then, they, they always had the issue like uh, that the app that the um, the Android store saw uh, Chrome as a competition and said like, hey, it should be that people install from the Android store, there we have control over it, and these kind of things. But it seems like they internally won that battle that now PWAs and, and Android apps to a degree feel like uh, uh, not the redheaded stepchild in the basement any longer. Yeah, my, my impression of Google is always, of, and I don't know how accurate this is, although some anecdotal comments from people who, who work there now seem to indicate there's, there's some truth in this. But there's these kind of two warring factions of Chrome and Android, and they're kind of seeping into each other. You can you can install web apps, web apps on Android, and now you can install Android apps on Chrome OS, um, but they're not quite um, first-class citizens on either platform. And I think there are issues on Android too, right? I mean, um, for a long time, you couldn't install a web app from Firefox in the same way you could from Chrome with um, minting of packages. Um, it's still the case today that a, a web app installed on Android has a tiny little browser icon in the corner just to tell you this isn't a real app. It's just running in your web browser, really, right? So there, there are issues on Android too. Um, but overall, things are more open on Android. You can install other uh, other browsers using other browser engines, and other browsers can install web apps to the home screen. Which we now can on iOS as well, but what's the what's the benefit of it? Basically, as we, as we cannot have the PWA functionality that Chrome gives me on Android or on Windows or on macOS, I basically, uh, all the users that would use Chrome or Edge on iOS are only the users that have their data in there and use their services. So the engine benefits, there's not much coming to iOS, is there? There are considerable differences in the capabilities of the engines, I think. And, and <clears throat> there's certainly considerable PR differences and reasons why somebody would uh, want to be running full fat gecko Firefox on iOS as opposed to Google Chrome or a Chromium browser or Safari. You know, I, I know which one I choose and it's got very little to do with which APIs it has. It's where I would prefer my tiny fraction of a cent of search revenue to go to, for example. Not everybody thinks like that, but the point is is that with open competition, everybody can think how they flipping want to think. That That's the imp important point, isn't it? The DMA, the goal of um, allowing alternative browser engines is to promote competition, because right now, um, WebKit has a monopoly on iOS. You can't use any other browser engines, and therefore there's no incentive for Apple really to to innovate and in, in um, implement new web standards. Whereas if there are multiple multiple browser engines available on iOS, the browser engines are able to compete with each other, and it provides Apple with an incentive to in, um, implement web standards and maybe to in, invent their own and differentiate in a way that they don't really need to right now because Apple can set the maximum bar of what a web browser can do on iOS. And so um, the idea of the DMA is prom to promote competition uh, in that way. I mean, we, let's go back to where we started this conversation with Chris saying, you know, in recent years, Safari's come on leaps and bounds. 
I would posit that it's a couple of years, and I would posit that that is when the DMA first came about and said there was going to be, or they didn't say it was going to be competition on iOS, but nobody could argue that Apple would be exempt from being a gatekeeper simply because it's such a big company with so many customers. So I would posit, with no real knowledge other than stuff I've heard, that the DMA and the UK CMA and the Australian regulator and, and to, the Japanese regulator sniffing around spurred investment and spurred innovation because they knew they would have to compete. I wonder if we'll see such continued innovation if progressive web apps are stymied. It's not over. The DMA comes into force March 9th. As far as I'm aware, if somebody went to the EU and said we need a bit more time, you know, the EU, they're not in the business of wanting to knock heads together. As far as I know, what they want is everybody to behave properly and things to work well. So the, uh, there's a beta out. It's not final yet. It's no secret that we at OWA meet with the EU, as do all interested parties, because that's what it's for. Um, we've put out today a new survey. If you are a developer or a business in the EU that has a PWA, or if you're a developer or a business in the US or anywhere else, which has customers in the EU, and you're worried about your ability to test, or you're worried about your uh, the effect of this potentially on your customers, Please fill in our survey. You can do it anonymously. Um, but frankly, if you can put your name to it, it just looks more compelling when it lands on somebody's desk. But if you can't, if you can't do it anonymously and tell us what the effect on your business could potentially be. Uh, and we will send this to the people in the EU. And I'm pretty sure they'll read it. They've read the other stuff we've sent them. But we need your help urgently. It feels like such a step backwards, doesn't it? I mean, the when I found the web for the first time, I'm like, oh my God, I can publish worldwide. I'm not beholden to anybody. I can do something. I can let my creativity go free. I can build a web app in like a few minutes and nobody can stop me from it. And it's it's if, if it's crap, it's crap. If it's good, it's good, fine. It can scale to infinity if you do it right. But now it basically feels like you're in Europe. Uh, you're not in America. You're not allowed to do this. You're not allowed to do that. What does it mean for distributed companies like somebody who actually builds his apps in America and in Europe? Do they have to get rid of their European developers now and ship them over to America to be able to still work on that thing? It feels like that could be a, a floodgate of many things where companies become more national again or like market focused rather than just worldwide companies. Because, I mean, we had the same with like cookie concern, uh, cookie banners. I mean, I always thought they should be called biscuit banners in England, but they, they're, they're basically they're just we, we just got used to them and browsers now actually click them on your behalf because it, it's such a weird thing that basically that nobody bothers to actually it didn't increase the uh, the awareness of people's privacy. It didn't do that, but it was an easy thing to put in. In Germany, I have to put like my address in a footer on every web page that I'm a legal entity and you can contact me there. There's no way you can build you can publish a website without doing that. 
that has not been enforced ever and like nobody bothers so it's it feels it feels very strange that we're now building a software market for different countries again rather than like uh, than like realizing the web has been has worldwide in it i mean it feels like releasing dvds in different markets again so you have to crack them or crack your drive to to watch the australian dvd that you bought on holiday shouldn't we be further in software distribution or is it just a matter of money you should talk to anybody you know in cupertino about that ask them what they consider more important the world wide web or 30 billion as opposed to 25 billion in profits i couldn't answer i know which one i think is more important it's a, it is a great shame because the, the web has always captured that long tail of, of little app developers that you know couldn't necessarily afford to do native apps for every platform and, and it's really shutting those people out which is it really sucks. Um, I, I just wanted to second Bruce's call for people to, to um, fill out the OWA's survey because those guys have achieved so much uh, with so little and it really helps them to have data. Um, and I also agree. Um, I mean, who, know, who knows the complexities behind the decisions that Apple have made here, but I agree that from an outsider's perspective, the right thing for Apple to do here is if it's genuinely a case of they've not had time to open up these APIs safely to other browsers, and so they're trying to just create parity, then just ask for more time. Um, the, it's going to take a while for other browsers to come up on iOS anyway. I think it's going to be pretty difficult given the way it's been structured uh, for third-party third party browser engines to actually get a fully working browser on iOS. So there's there's time before this even becomes an issue. It would be far better in that interim period to have some ability to install web apps on iOS through Safari, even if it was Safari only, um, but we knew that they were working on opening that up to other browsers. Uh, cutting it off, um, you know, if we give Apple the benefit of the doubt, and it, it really is an issue of, of timelines, it, it seems like a real shame. You know, the open web uh, should work on, on all operating systems and um, people have become used to being able to use their web apps on iOS and let's not take that away from them. Yeah, I, re re I reiterate Ben's reiteration of my call to fill in the survey. It won't take you long. It's open-web-advocacy.org because it's absolutely right that legislators and you know these people are legislators, they're economists and lawyers. It's absolutely right that they make decisions based upon data rather than emotion or you know what Bruce thinks the world should look like. Whereas I believe that everybody should think the world should look the same as I do. People don't, go figure. But if you have data, and it could be data that can't contradicts what I say, let them see it if you can, and I know there's corporate difficulties often, but data is what will change the world if they get it. I mean, I all my hardware is Apple. I, I still have an Android phone because I, I, I like to fiddle with it. Uh, but uh, basically, it's we, we're there for you as well. Like we're open to for discussion, and it's not like we we see it as the, the Death Star that doesn't do anything and is only commercially. I think it does a lot of good stuff for its users as well. Like the privacy and, uh, and security aspect and performance aspect is very good that they're doing. It shouldn't be actually at the cost of people being able to build for your platform. And I think that's the weird bit about it, that 
you cut out people not in America, you cut out people that are just small companies that just want to build something amazing, like Bruce said. And I wonder if it's worth it. And hopefully it isn't, because uh, I don't want to be in a world where people have to buy an SDK and use only one IDE and one operating system to build an app when they have a great idea. And hopefully we can prevent that from happening. So thanks again to you, Bruce and Ben. This was great. I've got to link the, uh, I've got to link the survey in the, in the newsletter, send it out uh, when this comes out. And then we're going to see how much will come in. Thank you very much again. Thanks, thanks for having me. me.